Horror, horror, horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, <laughs> but... Thanks for your correspondence, J-Tops. <laughs> Hello. Uh, no, go. That's alright. Hello. Hello. This is, um, well, my name's Darren. I'm Bruce. <laughs> right, of course you are, mate. And uh, this is Let's Make an Horror Movie Podcast. Why not? Yeah, thanks. Great. Welcome to Let's Make a Horror Movie Podcast. Thanks, Darren and Bruce. Bruce looking pretty full today. Uh, yeah, that's John, it's folks. crowded behind the glass. <laughs> Wait for everyone watching the live stream. You gonna... No, you're going to give everyone a wave? No. no. Well, all right, I'm, and I'm Dave. Um, and this. Uh, yeah, I'm John. It's the substitute teacher again. There you go. Um, and this is Let's Make a Horror Movie Podcast, which is the monthly horror movie podcast. Serious about horror, silly about everything else. Fair enough. John's nodding along. That's good enough for me. Uh, yeah. So well, I'm it. saying words. Yes, and and to be honest, that is the bar. That is the bar. Past. Hopefully. Well, I did try. I tried to mute co-host for a while. I tried six actually, but what was weird is that adding them exponentially they made no difference to their input on the podcast. Yeah, well, I guess what's weirder is you still got them all here. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, so you buy them. We're paying it. a lot in expenses. They come in packs of six. And I just thought, it's cheaper than sending them back, or less hassle than sending them back in a way. I guess so. The hotel bill's pretty high. Sort though. of fast fashion of, of mute, mutes, co-hosts. Yeah, mute co-hosts. Oh, yeah. Just add water. Anyway, look, thanks to Bruce and Darren in the booth, in there with Tony. Tony, I'm sure I'll say hello later on. What we, yeah, oh yeah, this is the monthly horror movie podcast. Myself and John. Normally, every episode, one of us will pitch a horror movie pitch that they've thought up and written down and then said out of their mouth to the other one the other one will like feedback on it react and so on and so forth and then next episode we get any feedback from the audience john anything to add to that pretty good summary no that's pretty good mate i mean we we generally go through a bit of culture that's true oh well you're moving into the act breakdown you're right oh have i broken it have i broken your little uh, structure sorry well yeah i mean this whole thing was very very carefully scripted as you as well, you well the know, mutes were really tapping me on the shoulder there. Yeah. It was a bit. Um, I didn't know why. So maybe that makes a bit of sense. Would you like to inform our lovely audience how the? Jeez, pop- oh, there's a bit of pressure. Um, give it a bash. I'll give it a go. Right. Okay. Act one. We're going to search for any feedback that we've got. Don't um, have any. General bit of introduction and banter. <laughs> Sorry, don't have any though. But yes, bit banter. Yeah. Act two. We'll go through cultural highlights of the last month. Um, what's happening? Pretty quiet in the political. Very front, so quiet. That might be a yeah. quick one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Act three's a pitch. That's why you're here. That's what we're all salivating for. That's what we're just raring to go. That's the juicy part of the podcast. And then uh, act four is a bit of feedback on the pitch. Maybe maybe search for a title of the uh, the next hit. Let's make a horror movie film. Movie, yeah. Let's make a horror movie movie. And on that bombshell, yeah, I was trying to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lean into it, John. I've got something to oh, talk yeah? about on this exact topic in act one. So let's oh, good. make a horror movie movie. Let's um, crack on. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Alright fellas, yeah, welcome to episode thirty one. Glad to see you guys back in the uh back in the old Abbott. Sister Act two, isn't it? Um welcome to Act One. 
Interesting. But okay, Sister Act Two was yeah, called okay. Back in the Habit. It was. Don't know why. Well, I would never doubt his movie knowledge. <laughs> I'm just interested. Where are the other guys? I don't know. <laughs> I can't see them. I can't see them, but and you wouldn't be hearing them. So, in fairness, oh, oh, you mean Darren and Bruce, not the mutes? Yeah. Uh no, no, the mute. No, no, that's I, true. I actually, mutes, yeah. yeah, I don't know where they're going. They stepped out for a, a, a cigarette. Maybe they'll be back to introduce Act Two and beyond, perhaps. Oh, I think this format's getting overly complicated, David. Mate, Tony just he turns the light on, it goes green, and I start talking. He turns it red, and I stop talking. I mean, I, everything else is so Tony. I talk until you put me back in the box. Exactly, that's it. Yep, <laughs> exactly. it's like that episode of the X Files. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, at one. So normally this is feedback, but we don't have any feedback because we've done two. Oh, I got feedback. I got a raven. Oh, you got a raven? Yeah, I got a raven from OJ. So he's uh, just to give it an update. So nice, dark wings, dark words. Yeah, well, last month he was obviously hanging around the storm drains and disappeared, and then he made it home. But he's just sent me a raven now, so he's off to Old Town. So he's going to go and forge a link in his chain. Oh, okay, nice. Well, that can take decades. How long can an embroidery chain take you to forge? I mean, really, there's not that many stitches. Was one of them embroidery? Was one of the links? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the hardest one. Was yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're right. I think it probably was the hardest one. I mean, I would have gone for magic and all the sort of, you know, yeah. the, the medicine and all that sort of stuff first. So I guess maybe, embroidery. maybe it's not the hardest one. Maybe it's just the last one that gets done because it's so bloody boring. No, you're right. Know. I mean, I think I think a lot of it is very similar to how the scouts is uh, is set up. Interestingly, yeah. If you, you would think you should go for embroidery first in the scouts because then you could actually sew the other badges on. Exactly. If you but. don't do embroidery, then all the badges just, you just got to keep them in your pocket, I guess. Or Well, that's right. They jangle around. You might lose or them. Or hold, hold them to your chest. <laughs> Sell tip them to your forehead yeah. so you don't lose them. Yeah. Well, that's what I used to do. But then I was never well. officially a member of the Scouts. Well, let's not get to that story. Yeah, exactly. You just—it was all about never letting them see you. That was the—that was There's the real no limit trick. of liabilities on yeah. that one that hasn't expired yet. Do you so see I, the blue flashing really lights? That. You just keep running. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you were talking about um, calling us. Let's make or, or saying let's make a horror movie movie. But I realized the other day. That our actual podcast title could read two ways. So it could read, oh. like, let's make a horror movie podcast, right? Oh. Or it could read, let's make a horror movie podcast. Oh, no, I definitely read it that way. I always intended it to be, let's make a horror movie podcast. But it could be read by layman, if you will, as let's make a horror movie podcast, yeah. which would essentially be a podcast about trying to make another podcast about horror movies. <laughs> well, but that interesting. That's one of our sister podcasts. Podcast, exactly. And I thought oh, it's come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I tried to avoid it in the initial yeah. uh, introduction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to cross brand. So we started this whole endeavor by doing a let's make a horror movie podcast podcast before the first episode of Laman Pod, right? Because you do. Oh, that went back for years. It's like making off, yeah. wasn't it? And so yeah, there was uh, two seasons before we even got to the first episode of the. What Laman are we going to do with the mics? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How do you press record? Do we sit inside? Do we sit outside? You know. Oh, outside was a nightmare. Those pilots were a difficult situation. Yeah. Are we on a? Tr- why are we on a train? I know that was a difficult episode, wasn't it? I actually really like trains. That was largely the reason. Um, but yeah, terribly impractical in the end, as it turned out. But you live, you learn. Before we even properly crack on, John, I should say that today I am celebrating. Oh, what are you celebrating, Dave? <laughs> I'm celebrating the 300th day um, of me wearing nothing but a Papa Shango costume for charity. Do you remember Bloody Papa Shango? He was a WWF wrestler before they changed. Just thought that's what you looked like. <laughs> oh, you thought that's what I looked like? Well, I mean, 300 days. Yeah, yeah, so I just been... thought it was your thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could easily think I'd sort of evolved into that, I think, from 
mm. from the time living the character before. but so i'm celebrating that obviously it's been quite i mean again we cover this quite a lot in the other podcasts uh about making this podcast because of course mm. it, it presented a lot of challenges so it's very much like the behind the scenes that it's the sort of it takes two to this podcast isn't it yeah or, it's you know what it's interesting because it's all like kind of why did i choose to dress as spawn for the whole time and it's you know yeah but i think what's quite yeah. cool is that it matched because we both had a bit of black and red in the costumes and i think subliminally or subconsciously rather even that was that was probably at play but anyway so i'm celebrating 300 days because that's what everyone sponsored me for um and oh, uh, congratulations. yeah obviously all that money is going to adventure dentures so oh yeah great yeah 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 this year's charity yeah so all the senior citizens will be able to uh go bungee jumping abseiling um all of that oh, oh sorry it was adventure dentures sorry Ad- what did you think it was adventurous dentures oh, which right. is a sort of like we get that sort of novelty dentures yes. to replace the normality so you get kind of sharp teeth or bitey teeth yeah, or yeah, you know yeah, teeth yeah. that play a tune they're actually one of um, the competitors sorry stiff com- competition for adventure dentures yeah a lot less morally sound actually to be fair so yeah we probably did choose the they're right more one. fun they are more fun and they're more accessible so they are you know if you're looking for christmas gifts this year i mean we're coming up for christmas now Absolutely. adventurous dentures easily you can order them online they come to, to your house but adventure dentures as we as we know because they've been the Lamont Point charity now for 300 days they will allow octogenarians nonagenarians is it centigenarians centigenarians why not yeah why not? why not why not may as well fucking be there's not enough of them to argue <laughs> with, so yeah just say what you like there's only a handful <laughs> and adventure dangerous has promised to take them all on a holiday to new zealand to do one of the world's biggest bungee jumps hey. Hey. um no downsides well there's no downsides and actually we have booked fewer plane seats home um in all <laughs> s- <laughs> in all serious that's just smart business days that's yeah we're that's not fucking sensible. idiots drug we're not idiots yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be an attrition rate. I mean, that's just yeah. yeah. Come on. So anyway, there's that. How do you want to? How do you want to go out? You know, how do you want to go out? <laughs> exactly? You're much more likely to be killed by adventurous dangers anyway. So you know, if you look at statistically speaking. In fact, what's know. interesting is that both adventurous dangers and adventure dangers they're largely indestructible. So they are likely to survive you, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. I don't. I don't think adventurous dangers biodegrade at all. That's not been measured so far. But you can maybe pass them on to the next generation is all i'm saying uh, and if you know it before you take that last fall maybe stuff any other valuables in those dangers because they'll survive the impact bound to survive they'll survive yeah, the I mean, like cockroaches they're like a it's like a yeah, black yeah, box yeah. so you know a little time capsule yeah big selling point actually of adventurous dangers. yeah well the indestructibility yeah and that, that a chance to pass on to the future generations through your teeth you know mm. everything that was important to you you know, like a Blue Peter time capsule that doesn't go kind of all weird and rotten. That's true. Well, one of the... Uh, I shouldn't really say this because you know, there's only a certain amount of time that Adventure Adventures have booked. But one of the uh, latest products that they are actually looking at doing in their commercial line as opposed to their charitable arm is uh, you can actually have the ashes of your elderly loved ones put into the individual teeth of your Adventure Adventures. Or their Adventure Adventures, mm. depending on how you want to do it. Some people like to wear it in their own mouth. Some people like to put them on the mantelpiece with, you know uncle bobby and auntie sue well it's those choices that make them such a uniquely placed company in this sort of product line you know i mean they're they're a challenger brand they're disrupting the business disrupting a lot of the funeral business that whole area disrupting a lot of lunchtimes (laughs) in the care homes so you're celebrating i'm I'm commiserating actually at the moment I'm, i'm having a little sort of commiseratory drink because it's the uh potential death of alternative facts (laughs) that's true you know 
I do live in alternative fact an awful lot more than I realised before it was popularised a few years ago. That's true. I remember because you were the uh, king of Burkina Faso for mm. many years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm next in line for the, uh, the, the Spanish throne. Yes, as I well. Still main- I still maintain that. That's true to me. Yeah, that yeah. is yours. Do you know what? No one wrote in to, to correct us on whether it was Thesaurus or Thesaurus. Um, Did they not? It's because I told them not to, because I know what the answer is. That was, <laughs> that, just to be fair, let's just... Uh, well, they listened. I think I crushed that. I hope I crushed that in the spirit in which I yeah, tried to. They listened to you, John, and uh, yeah, en masse decided to not get involved in that. The silent majority stayed silent. <laughs> I'm desperately looking at the booth. <laughs> Do you want to get Bruce, Bruce and Darren back? Hello. Welcome to Act Tony. Act two. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know where Tony's gone, Bruce. I've had a look for him myself actually, but um we might be outside having a bag. <sighs> oh yeah, Act Two, is it? A lot of oh, sorry. over there. We recording. Don't touch that. Is that light is that light beam we're on? No, don't Yeah, you're on guys. You're on. Cheers, Act Two. Shit, the lights are out now. That's not going well. We get the good guests for the interviews. The guests that we get for the booth are, let's be honest, they're not great. They're international, often. Mm. They are often international. But they're... It might be one of them make-a-wish things, Dave. Oh. It might be one of them sort of, It maybe know, is that, yeah. Well, Tony does the organising. want to press the buttons in the booth. Yeah, listen, let's not, let's not judge it. He does all the charity work. He's the one that got us all of that stuff with Adventure Dentures, so. Yeah. Anyway, Act 2. And Adventurous Dentures is why he's so clear. You know. That's true. Very, enunciates very well. Right, act two. Older than he looks. This is the uh, part of the podcast where normally we would talk about cultural things we've done in the last month, John. So, yeah. let's start with Horror Christmas, which was Fright Fest. Uh, we, we had a second bite. For anyone that doesn't know or isn't in the UK, Fright Fest is the uh, horror festival in London, normally once a year in August, but because of covid we got two bites of the cherry this year, which was very lucky, and um, it's fucking amazing. So I'll try and be quick, because I watched a lot. Well, I watched about 15 movies, uh, and that was skipping two, because I had to walk the dog and use like, the bathroom and eat things. So I missed two movies <laughs> uh, across like four days. Sounds like weakness. Yeah, it was weakness. So here you go. So there was a movie called Held, which... Sort of mystery thriller, a couple's ailing marriage was put to the test when they're held hostage in an isolated vacation rental by an unseen voice that commands their every move. Pretty cool that one, I thought. A good sort of opening day, tense fests, strong female leads. Uh, I enjoyed that. There's a few that I'll give an extra shout out to. One of them is called The Pale Door, which was directed by Aaron B. Kuntz. It's fucking fantastic. It's a western horror oh nice trained robbery goes wrong two brothers one of whom leads a gang cowboys uh must survive the night in a ghost town inhabited by a coven of witches dude that sounds all right man like as non-horror guy that sounds all right really fun i tell you that's something about horror something that horror has that um no other genre seems to have is it can basically just bolt itself onto any other genre Mm. you know one that I'll give another shout out to is called Broil, B-R-O-I-L, uh, directed by Edward Drake. This is kind of like a fresh take on a vampire movie, but oh, okay. a really, really, a really good one. Again, I really enjoyed it. It was really, it felt really different from anything like it, and it had some real fucking gruesome ideas in it, which were deliciously done. 
Do you ever see the South Park episode with Scott Tenerman? No, mate, I assume I've probably seen no South Park. I haven't seen it in bloody years. Yeah, it's an old one. It's an old one where Cartman, he's got an enemy called Scott Tenerman, and he feeds Scott Mm. Tenerman his own parents, tells him that this is what's happening, starts crying, and Cartman starts licking his tears up and saying how nice they taste. Broil, (laughs) Broil has a large amount of that kind of fun in it. Wow. Okay. Not one for But me. it's re- no, uh, that's the thing. It's really not gory, but it is got some ideas in it. So it's yeah, a well, lot, ideas scare me more than anything. It's David. a lot less explicit than you might think. But I, I really enjoyed it. There is one called "For the Sake of Vicious," directed by Gabriel Carrer. I want to say, uh, I think this is a Canadian movie, if I remember rightly from the blurb, but. It's basically a, a nurse gets home from it. Literally, it, in fact, I fucking love this movie, but it's not going to be for everybody. But it literally starts with a nurse getting home to find somebody in her house, another a man, but who's brought another man there, and they're having out these two blokes. One is knocked out, cold and injured and whatever, and they're obviously enemies. But the enemy that isn't damaged uh-huh. is like, right, you fix him up. And then she does, and then they end up staying in the house, and then stuff gets revealed, and then more stuff gets revealed, and it just keeps going. It keeps you guessing. You have no idea where it's going. It's really, really tense. It's really, really exciting. And when it when it mm. hits the gas, it goes fucking nuts. And for a fright, it's exactly <laughs> the kind of thing I wanted to see. It's the kind of movie that every fright fest I feel like needs. Any horror movie festival needs a movie which just lets fucking loose at some point and goes mad. And this does that in right. spades. It's hand-to-hand combat throughout the house, in this nurse's house, and it's just fucking insane. And there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people <laughs> getting killed, and there's a lot of really gruesome, brutal fighting, and it is incredibly enjoyable. If you like that kind of thing, which I do. So I absolutely love that movie. As a really quite a dark conceit at the heart of it which i'm not going to tell you because it's i don't want to get into you know the, the the real plot of the film but it's um if you don't mind that it's just a real i really loved it um yeah so what's the name of that one it's called for the sake of vicious just gonna pop that on the old block list <laughs> <laughs> couple other big thumbs up and then i'll literally rattle through the others to say that they were good uh obviously relic it's getting a lot of press at the moment rightly so it is a phenomenally well made and acted movie it looks incredible but really the reason it's so successful is i think because it takes a look at the horror of uh, what it's like to have an older relative lose their mental faculties you know, so uh, and so. Yeah, I think that, that's got kind of a, it's getting a, a wider press, that isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's really, really good. You have got Neil Marshall's the latest Neil Marshall dig Dog Soldiers uh, and a few other cracking movies. That's called The Reckoning. That was not for you, John. Absolutely not for you. Um, <laughs> I'm glad when I texted you that you couldn't actually make it to join me on that one because when I was watching it, I thought. Yeah, no, he, he wouldn't like this. But it has, I mean, poetry. It has poetry in it, and he's fucking incredible. Um, oh, well. Goes without yeah. saying. He plays the Witchfinder General. So, I mean, he's absolutely... Oh, dude. Yeah, he's laughing it up. He's incredible. 
the the lead star in it, Charlotte Kirk. She's really, really good in it too. But it is, it's basically all torture. It, it is largely implicit. Like he's, it's very careful not to be uh, visually her. But but it doesn't, as you a minute ago you just said, it doesn't need to be because you see everything up to the thing happening. So you see all the sort of machinery, you know, in the environment yep. and stuff. So it is grim, but I really liked it. It's got some great ideas in it again, and it does take a. It's got a nice foot in this sort of supernatural. Uh, again, loved it. Big recommendation for me, but hesitant for you as a as a uh, horror recent convert, if you like. Nope, nope. Let's not. Don't don't call it before it's no, happened. Okay. Come on now, count count the um, votes. Um. Okay, bunch of other movies. Then I'll rattle through. Origin unknown. Uh, Mexican. Another vampire movie. Again, really well done. A lot of style, flair, excitement, and fun. It's like a cartel movie mixed with vampires. Sacrifice by Andy Collier and starring Barbara Crampton. She absolutely nails it, as do the whole cast in this. Uh, I think the other lead uh, lady is called Sophie Stevens, and she's absolutely incredible in this movie. You would enjoy this one, John. I think this, you know, it's no gore or violence, really, um, but it's got that sort of sense of dread that all kind of Lovecraftian-infused stuff has, and they do it really well. Blood Harvest, that was witches, again, also good. The Banishing, I mean, I'm not doing them justice, but Haunted House stuff, great. (laughs) The Owners, British horror movie uh, with Maisie... Maisie Williams? Yep. And also uh, Sylvester McCoy. That's good. Actually really grim. And it ends with one of the grimmest things you will see in terms of conceptual horror. It has a horrific concept to leave you with right at the end, which will stay with you. One for you, sickos. Yeah, one one for the people who like really want to be fucked over right at the end of a film. (laughs) That's a good one for you. Uh, it's It's good, though. Don't Look Back was the new one by some of the uh, people that made Final Destination movies. It was pretty good. But a bunch of people just watch and or film somebody being beaten up and killed. And then they all start to die, you know, and it's sort of a bit final. That was inverted commas. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sort of a bit Final destination in that sense. But uh, all is not what it seems. The Sinners, which was more of a murder mystery high school girls murder mystery very good though really like that a lot of great performances in it kept you guessing i think the last one here is honeydew which is absolutely not one for you john 100 percent no but for horror lovers out there if you're looking to see something recent that that will make you go oh i haven't seen anything like that in a while then this is the film for you well come on now that's interesting so i'm fascinated in my own limitations right so what 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 if it is not for me in your in your sort of reckoning there? First of all, I'll say it's really tense and the soundscape and the score are, are really impressive and really lend it a really sort of horribly awkward, eerie feel, reminiscent of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know if you've ever seen the original Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. where it's got some real weird soundscape stuff going on, which works perfectly. So it's very reminiscent of that. Basically, it's a classic two people get stuck in the middle of nowhere. And actually, it's a very similar setup. So two people, instead of a group of kids, go to a house in the middle of nowhere for help with their car. And um, all is not what it seems. But there, I mean, I don't want to get... Okay, spoilers for anyone that is about to watch it. Just give me themes. (sighs) 
there is a daughter being kept in a box who doesn't have any limbs. Right. See where this is going? Oh, right. Okay. They have all the meat is infected, so they eat people, but they keep them alive and take bits off them and then use like medical practice to keep them going whilst they keep taking bits off the them. highly skilled you them. can see where right, how okay. it's i mean it's really fucking grim mm. it's got some great stuff in it in terms of there's some scenes in uh the house in the around the kitchen for anyone that's seen this they'll um, they'll, they'll remember I, I mean look i've included it in this list because i would recommend to other horror fans like it's something that you probably want to see i wouldn't recommend it to you or people that were a bit on the fence about no, some normal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. That was good. That's interesting. I mean, you've obviously missed out the uh, the PS de la Resistance. My uh, first ever. I had to pay for this. Actually, pay <laughs> my own money, which is. I mean, thankfully, we're making a lot of money off this podcast. So, you know, Adventure Dentures and uh, Adventurous Dentures are both excellent. Yeah. In fact, well, hang on. If I turn, no, I've kind of. Well, well Adventure Dentures um, is technically a charity, but they do have a commercial arm because they do the commercial yeah. arm is the thing that does the uh, the you can put your ashes in the teeth. I just think I might have given away some of us our secret funding. Yeah. There. But anyway, I paid real money to see Nights Before Christmas, which was interesting. The Nights Before Christmas, because it's a live screening, I missed the very start of it, so you had to catch me up a little bit on the first sort of five minutes there. Mm. I just had to get the kids to bed. All so. right. I'd missed the very, very start, and then I came in at the uh, and a sort of scene in a cafe between a daughter and a father. Yes, so you, uh, so yeah, you're right. We watched it was the final movie I think on the Sunday night of Fright Fest that that we chose. So you're gonna finish strong. I mean, you know, that's what I was thinking. It's directed by Paul Tanter, and all I'm gonna say before letting you talk, John, is that yeah, what you missed before you joined the movie was that movie opens in a mental asylum with a sort of doctor being strapped to a got an operating table kind of thing and a psycho guy dressed as santa claus and his girlfriend dressed as mrs claus like kind of monologuing at him to give you a bit of exposition about their psychos they're in a psycho hospital and they're escaping and everything's burning down around them and and you know the psychos are in charge of the asylum that's what you basically miss then it cuts to whoever the girl was that you saw talking to her dad and we get the exposition there that she is on her own in a new town. He's come to find her because I guess she's changed her name and cut communications with the family. And there's loads of previous stuff alluded to. Like this family have been through something which has caused her to change her name and move away. And that's basically where you joined us, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it really started strong and, and just kept on going from there then, clearly. I mean, it was... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if it was horror comedy, but it certainly came across as horror comedy. <laughs> um, I hope that was the intention because it was so over the top and light-hearted in the sort of nature of the violence and nature yeah. of the villains. There was some actually some pretty, you know, they cut to some relatively sort of straight scenes here and there, which was pretty good. Certainly the sort of, so it all becomes a kind of a manhunt type of thing where these people escape and um, you're sort of following their progress and you're following the, the, the FBI progress trying to catch these two outlandish criminals at Christmas, as you say, dressed as Christmas characters. Mm. Oh man, so there's some pretty, there's some straight acting, but there was, um, it was seemed so tongue in cheek and yeah. so over the top. See, I don't think, look, I'm gonna, just going to caveat, I'm going to caveat everything I'm about to say with this. If you look at 15 different pictures of 50 different artists, 
Only some of those pictures are going to chime with you and some of them aren't. On top of that, I absolutely hate to shit on other people's endeavours. So, that's the caveat. But all that said, I really struggled with this, mate. <laughs> the opening conceit after the bit I described, the dad yeah. leaves the cafe, he's driving across country along a snowy highway, and one of the psychos steps out onto the road, he swerves, crashes his car into a tree, gets out, runs away, the psycho catches him, and then the psycho drives an axe into his forehead to kill him. And that's the opening. And the problem that happens for me immediately is the police get there and say, oh, drunk driving accident, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, look. And it takes, it takes an FBI person to come and turn up and look at it again and be like, I don't think this was a drink driving incident. And it's like, well, maybe that's because he had a massive fucking axe wound in the middle of his head that split his head open. And even if you thought he'd bumped his head on something in the car, they they, they were like, oh, I must have hit his head and crawled here. He's like a hundred yards away. And there's nothing... Oh, at least. There's nothing axe-shaped on a steering wheel. They're, in fact, pretty well designed not to cleave your forehead in twain. On top of that, right, (laughs) 20 feet further away from where they find this murdered clearly murdered cadaver is like a huge like um graffiti 100 foot like 100 foot across graffiti made of blood in the snow that says like i don't know well i can't remember naughty naughty says naughty classic and and it's like come on oh first of all there wasn't enough blood in his body to do that even if you (laughs) even if you've made an attempt to drain it it's like where are you supposed to have got that amount of blood from is he supposed to have dripped off the end of his axe after he'd done one Anyway. It was very, very neatly. It was beautiful. Like, I mean, I mean, amazing work. The sort of rural police walk past an axe in a tree <laughs> and still cause, like, still uh, decide no misadventure. Drunk driving. Like, drunk driving. <laughs> yeah, he must have chucked his axe when he, <laughs> when he crawled out Looks of the like car. Looks like he's crawled out of the car half a mile and then hit himself in the head with his own axe. Look, looks, <laughs> looks like he's trying to investigate this massive writing on the snow. <laughs> What's happened to you then? Yeah. Oh, he's done himself a mischief, Gov. Hit himself in the head with his own axe. Classic this time of year. Yeah, usual drunk drivers. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It made me so happy. Mate, so many bits of this made me so happy. I already know that, that most hope is lost by this point. So um, what I'm hoping for is that the kills are good. Because you can save a movie that struggles in other areas with excellent kills. And I've got to say, it had loads of kills in it. And I thought they were yeah, all definitely. flat. I don't know, man. I think maybe I maybe saw a light side of it or something that, that you didn't. I mean, I think the FBI, those guys played it so straight and so melodramatic <laughs> that it felt like the whole movie was supposed to be straight. And so from that point, I was kind of looking at it like, they're actually trying to make this movie and, and make us buy into this whole thing. But the villains were so Suicide Squad crazy, you know, super villains. They just came across as so lighthearted. If you look at it like that, I thought it wasn't too bad. I started playing the sort of cliche bingo board meeting of sort of evil Illuminati people all laughing about profits and all that sort of stuff. That was yeah. a, that, that was a, one of the best cliches. It was a small town, like a proper little backwater mm. town, and then somehow he ends up in, in some massive corporate downtown area in, yeah, in like a skyscraper <laughs> with suits. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, well, hang on, well, where's that? That had a, a severed penis thrown onto a table in front of a board meeting, which was quite fun. But nobody That was one did, of my that was one of my cliches. Nobody did a double take on it. Nobody the guy they all just looked at it and were like, Oh, cock. 
It's like, really? Oh, it's, it was your first... Yeah, it's James's. <laughs> Somebody came in through a cock on the table at a meeting where I work. I'm not sure my first thought would be like, that's a severed cock. I, mean, I might think that, but my brain would mm. also be thinking, it's not going to be a severed cock, mate. Don't go straight yeah. for the, that's a severed cock out loud. Maybe go, what's that? Yeah, ask somebody else. Yeah, is that a sausage? But yeah, I I'll don't tell know. you, mate. Honestly, that was brilliant. That that one, that was great. The, the old uh, cock. That rock is in the, the best. Was that fantastic. was the best bit, and that wasn't a kill. Yeah. Then you had the violent orderly. So, orderly in the old. Oh uh, yes! Oh my god, mate! I'd forgotten about that. That was. I mean, that's that's ten out of ten. It was ridiculous. Cliche. It was like watching a Scooby Doo. He's like the guy who's played that orderly in every <laughs> film that's had that. Orderly For listeners, <laughs> they turn up at. And like an abandoned hospital, like an abandoned yep. hospital that the guy's cleaning, right? And then so they're grilling him about this particular hospital that he's at and, and that used to house this psycho. He's like, yeah, anything I can do to help, anything I can do at all. It's just me that looks after this old place, you know, anything I can do to help. And they're like, can we have a look at the records? And he's like, no. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, well, there's only there's no one there but you, mate. And like, no one's like, no one gives a shit about his fucking records. Just let and them go and the have FBI. a look. Yeah, it's the FBI. <laughs> and you're a janitor at a place that's not even open anymore. Do you know what I mean? Who's just admitted to abusing the inmates when it was fucking open. You've also said... Can we just go look at the... Uh, go look at all those... No. No, I've locked them away. You better come back with a warrant. Yeah, they go, can we have a look about? It's like, have you got a warrant? No. No. It's like, well then, no. It's like, yeah. but you just have to say yes, they can. They don't need a warrant if you just say yes, they can have a look around. You just said anything I could do to help. It's that kind of thing that, <laughs> that kill. <laughs> like, I can't believe you didn't enjoy that. That was really, I loved it. Oh. You could like, I mean, like, you know, you couldn't get scared. It was great. Um, oh, then uh, Creepy Priest, the, the classic Creepy Priest. Yeah, yeah, I've forgotten about him. He gets his comeuppance. Here's my last of the favourite cliché bingos was the alcoholic ex-sheriff, Sheriff Exposition, who was there to kind of give some yeah, uh, and, background. Yeah, and you got and, the and like, wise-talking city cops that came out to help him and stuff, didn't you? Oh, yeah, God. that was good. There's so many amazing bits in it. I mean, it was worth every penny of my five ninety nine or whatever it was. <laughs> like, well, look, I'm glad you happy. enjoyed it. I think, I think we can wrap that one up by saying it's a recommendation from you. It's not a recommendation <laughs> from me. I quite like that my first recommendation on this podcast is that movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, shall we see who's in the booth? Tiny, all the the buttons are flashing and the dials are all spinning. What, that's, what, what, yeah, yeah, been at, been at, sorry. What have I missed? I don't know, we haven't been listening to it. Yeah, mate, um, I don't know, either, to be honest, I had a little sleep, had a little lie down. I've just been watching the little slashing lights here. Playing with the lights, yeah. Well, we're jet-lagged, to be honest, Tony. Oh, tired as hell, yeah. Well, anyway, lads, welcome to Act 3. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Darren. Um, I'm starting to think maybe you weren't the best booth guests this week, but nonetheless, here we are, Act 3. Expanding yeah. the role in the booth, aren't they, these days? This feels like there's a bit of a growth in the market. Bit more the, booth sort of talk. The... Bit more yeah. booth talk. And they really ought to be keeping that to their own podcast, which is actually called Booth Talk. Booth Talk, yeah, that's right. Bit of a rival. So. <laughs> it is a bit of a rival. A lot of people call it BT. Right, so listen, mate, I don't have a lot of time pitch to... Pitch time, uh, pitch time. To, yeah, because listen, I know this is supposed to be your week. Oh, yeah. I want, an, I want another go. You want okay? another go, yeah. So, well, that's true, because we had to. you'd accidentally rewritten 28 Days Later last time. So 
There's a number of legal challenges. Some mm. of them are not concluded yet. So I'd rather not comment on that. Going through the time. courts. I no, I understand yeah. that entirely, entirely. So, but listen, there's a I've, there's a lot to there's a lot to get through here. So to be honest, I'd, I'd rather just crack straight in if that's okay and try and give this another go. Yeah, please do. So, husband and wife. Yeah. Wife's giving birth. That's where that's where we open our story. Classic right protagonist set up instantly got some conflict going on. New joint absolutely a stressful family. time for all yeah, of us. Isn't isn't it? Well, yeah. Tragically, the baby dies. Now the husband's aware of this. The wife's not. Okay. Right. The husband is then Uh-oh. offered an opportunity by the hospital chaplain to replace the baby, which has sadly died, with another baby, and he takes that chance because. He'll love that baby all the same, and his wife doesn't need to know, and it's a chance to continue the life that they planned. And he rolls the dice, he takes that chance, and that's you know it's a big turning point. But that's where he goes. As the baby grows up, we start to get a sort of a bit of an ill feeling about this child. Child's fifth birthday, the uh, the nanny starts acting very erratically, and she, she mm. ends up killing herself to uh, try and sort of show off to the to the child. Um, she she sounds you know, she very herself. familiar. What what's the child? No, not, this is listen, mate. This took me <laughs> just let it go because it right. took me a long time. So you know, Fabian. Um, is it, is it that's called? what they. Yeah, no, I was thinking. No, I did. That's the good. I hadn't actually pinned on a name of the child yet. Yeah, um, yeah. So similar. Anyway. Yeah. So okay. Right. Yeah, well, let's let, let's keep that story moving. So we got the you know we had this tragedy with the nanny. This you know. Um, We've then got a, a priest comes to speak to the uh, the father and, and uh, warns the father that there's something up about the child and something really sinister. He thinks the child is the Antichrist. Fuck yeah. a duck. Mate. Let it sink in, mate. I, I'm, du- I'm duck fucking on the idea, um, as, a, as I've just uh, outlined. I do, I'd like it, obviously. Anything Antichrist is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, big themes, eh? Big yeah. themes, yeah. I just, I fear it might stray a little close to. There's, a, there's a film called The Omen. Might have to. We might have come to. Come on, no, come on. Yeah, that, no. The, it's, it's a child. With the child is the yeah. Antichrist. I know. Right? Mm. They've not done. That's not. They have done. done that. They have done that. They have. Get and me. then, and then they did it again with Good Omens. That that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's out. out. Yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, it's it's within the last millennium. Good I've shout. Made loads of them. I just Googled it. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Listen, I'm going to workshop that one, but yeah. like, we'll, do, we'll make a couple of uh, minor legal changes, but uh, um, yeah, l- yeah. let's just put a pin in that one. It, we're pretty close to it. Pretty close to it, but put a pin in it, and I tell you what, instead, why don't we have an interview with the director and co-stars of the new horror film It Cuts Deep? What is that? Nice. Yeah, yeah, good okay. Yeah, we ended up watching that recently, uh, so that's a handy tie-in. But just for listeners, It Cuts Deep is a sort of horror comedy, well, I would describe it as a psychodrama horror comedy. While on Christmas vacation, a young couple contemplate their future together. Ashley is interested in getting married and having kids, and Sam is terrified of that. They're spending Christmas in a remote house together, where... Sam grew up, and Sam's former best friend, Nolan, enters the picture, and things start getting weird. So, you know, without giving any spoilers away, that's what it's about. John, how did you like the movie? Mate, I, it was really interesting, actually, because this is not something I would have picked up myself, obviously being non-horror guy, but I found myself pleasantly wrong-footed all the way through it. it made me quite nervous, quite kind of questioning of what was going on. 
all the way through it, which was good. And I think when you started to ramp up into the horror elements of things, it played it really well. Like, it played the kind of ramping up of tension really well. It played the kind of change of mood really well. When you go into the horror, because it was horror comedy, it wasn't necessarily as dark as it could have been. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, I felt quite relieved by the, the way the movie turned out without kind of giving spoilers and bits and bobs. Very pleasantly surprised by it. Well, that's good. yourself? You're, you're much more au fait with this stuff than I am. Yeah, so well, I, I, I really you? enjoyed it. Well, first of all, it's a two-hander, right? So it literally is Charles Gould, who is an LA-based stand-up comedian, actually named Comic to Watch by Comedy Central and recently named a new face of comedy at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. He's also been on Jimmy Kimmel and such like. Uh, you can probably find him online. So it's Charles Gould and Quinn Jackson who plays his wife, Ashley. And the two, uh, not wife, sorry, girlfriend. Not wife, yeah. Because <laughs> that's yeah. part of the plot. Yeah, and I thought they were great. It's it's basically the two of them. There's a third character that comes into it, Charles's old best friend, seemingly. And he's fantastic as well. Yeah, he was really good. He's played by John Anderson. I mean, the three of them do an absolutely incredible job. The writing and the dialogue was really good too. It was quite light touch on the horror. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean simply no, I that. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly suited the, the the movie and the story. Yeah. I thought it was quite a witty film. I think really in the end. I think there was a you know, sort of awkward, quirky kind of stilted conversation and stuff, and that sort of Britishy, cringy type of feel through it, which I thought was great. Well worth a watch. It's out on video on demand from the 13th of November. So keep your eyes out for, depending on when you're listening to this, it's either coming out or out. It Cuts Deep, Charles Gould, Quinn Jackson, directed by Nicholas Payne Santos. And we interview the three of them in the upcoming interview, which is taking place instead of John's Fabian pitch, The Moment. <laughs> the Mormon. Yes. The Mormon. So enjoy the interview. Let us know what you think. Oh, and this is also John's, new John's inaugural interview. So uh, welcome to the interview. Well, watch out the... for some blundering questions. <laughs> Tony? Thanks so much for joining. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having us. Oh, hey, no worries. Hey, no hey. worries. So yeah, I feel like I'd be remiss not to ask how the mood is over there, yeah, given the current climate. I mean, are we optimistic? Charles, you look really optimistic about things. He definitely can't hear you. He's oh. making yeah. it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely uh, anxious, but optimistic, I'd say. The past few hours have been more optimistic. Last night was a disaster, and today... Seems to be getting there, right? Yeah, he's pulling ahead a little bit by uh, all accounts. Well, fingers crossed... I mean, I guess if it does go Trump's way, at least we'll have loads of more material for horror over the next four years. Um, <laughs> Charles, I don't know if you can hear us, but welcome to um, yes. welcome to the call. Thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Well, look, we'll crack in. Firstly, I should say, really enjoyed the movie. It was just a really incredible psychodrama with this with this fantastic comedy horror edge. I kind of wanted to know then, I guess, Nicholas, what, you know, where did that generate from that idea because you you wrote this as well as directed it and, and where did that kind of yeah. idea generate from yeah so originally the idea came from i was preparing to propose to my now wife and congratulations this, uh thanks <laughs> i got this like uh deep fear of commitment i guess i kind of felt and i thought it was just perfect to kind of try to transform that into a horror movie and 
ended up working out. So that, that, that's a question, for, I guess, from me then. Sorry, Dave, to jump in the um, straight away as well. Um, and the non-horror guy in, in this particular uh, makeshift duo. So uh, I was really interested in it. There's a lot of depth to the film without having to have the horror element in it. So I was interested as to, was it always horror? Was that seen from the outset and absolutely integral, or was it just a... Yeah, it was always... Um, I always saw it as a horror film. I always kind of developed it as a horror film. Um, but I always wanted to be able to, if you stripped away the genre elements, it could always be kind of a standalone movie. Um, and one of the films I really have always loved and kind of looked to is uh, Shaun of the Dead. And I always felt that if you, could, if you just stripped away the zombies, it's still this kind of rom-com um, that stands on its own. So I really wanted this film to also be able to kind of stand on its own if you took out the psycho killer elements. That's how it felt to me. All of that relationship stuff was already there and it was all kind of balanced and had an arc to it without having any of the sort of big knives. <laughs> and yet there were so, big yeah, knives. A lot of big knives. <laughs> that was all Quinn and I, by the way. Was it, you brought the knives? <laughs> no, Quinn and I made, <laughs> We made the relationship that you're talking about that you love so much. Well, Nick had almost nothing to do with that. That was going to be my next question. So you know, no, no, not at all. Like Charles and Quinn, what, what kind of, you know, how did you get involved in this? What drew you to the parts? Charles, I'll um, first. Okay, thank you, Quinn. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, look at this. Exactly Just, natural. Yeah, it stays through the chemistry. The, um, Nick, I knew Nick. I had known Nick for a while, even before we started filming. Uh, Nick. I did stand up with two of Nick's like college friends. And so he had come to my show a bunch and we had talked and we just really hit it off. And then two years before we even shot the movie, he was like, Hey, do you want to star in my horror movie? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then when he sent me the script, I was like, amazing. Great. <laughs> this is funny. It like, it's good for me. When do we start shooting? It was really <laughs> like a no brainer from oh, the beginning. Awesome. Yeah. My story is completely different. Um, I can't remember. I saw the audition on, I don't know if it's backstage or actors access, whatever. I found it. I submitted, got an audition. The day of the audition, my grandmother went into the hospital for appendicitis. I was with my mom. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going. I showed up. I didn't have my sides. You guys were a very welcoming room. <laughs> it, it did the last scene. I think it's the last scene and the first scene or the two yeah. I did in the audition. Had a callback, read the script later, um, as sometimes things go. And to be honest, I was just drawn to the truth of the relationship between um, Sam and Ashley. Yeah. That's your name, right? <laughs> yeah, Sam and Ashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since we... <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to ask, so presumably this was pre-COVID, uh, this was filmed then, was it? Given that none of you were wearing masks in it? Yeah, we shot uh, We shot in February of 2019. Oh, okay. Um, so there was a little bit of a delay in the film coming out because of, uh, we were supposed to originally start playing festivals in March, and then that all got delayed, and then, but luckily we then uh, got in touch with Dark Sky Films, and they picked up the film um, and really jived with it. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy times, right? If you've got a movie out and then this stuff happens and then, you know, cinemas are all closed, it's like... Yeah, how long do you wait? I can imagine yeah, that was a complete nightmare. But yeah, interestingly, Charles, you well, you both actually uh, touched on the kind of relationship. How much of the interplay was pure script and how much of it were you allowed to... Obviously, you're a comedian, Charles, and 
that brings a certain element of potential improv. Was there any element of improv with the lines and building that relationship with you, Quinn? Yeah, I would say there was some improv improvisation, uh, but it's really, it all really came out of the script. I mean, it it was really easy to improvise because of what was on the page. Like the relationship was very clear. Charles was our Sam. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sam was just like very obvious as to who he was. And I think Quinn and I's um, kind of like chemistry and then our relationship, the what we built on set made it super easy to like improvise a line or two here or there. So it, it was kind of like a very good combination of both scripted and then improvised stuff. But I think when people think of improv, they think of like just completely making things up off the top of your head, which wasn't really the case. Like all the improv really came from what was written right. in the script. Yeah. I think I think also something that definitely came off the page and then was built in person was early on, Charles was like, but I'm just kind of being a dick. Like, why would this woman be with me? And I was like, because you're charming and you're funny and because there are those things have to be alive. And I think that then played into obviously Charles's very wonderful comedic timing and me allowing the character and Quinn to let that in and live so that it became more real and three-dimensional as a relationship. Yeah. I mean, that really came across. And, you know, Quinn, you had to kind of move from perceiving, I guess, Sam from a sort of benign disappointment almost at the beginning to kind of outright horror by the end. So that's like you have to take quite a quite a journey. Was that a challenge for you to bring to the character? Or? I think it was a fun challenge to bring to the character. I think, to be honest, there's enough beats written into the script that it makes sense at the point where she where I as Ashley go hold on, what the fuck is going on? I'd say it's the pileup. It's kind of the snowball effect of the little things piling up so much that by the time that I'm ready to tell him about my secret and things are just so confusing, why couldn't it be that? Everything is so absurd already. Why couldn't it be? And to be honest, that was a very fun switch to play. Yeah. Again, it, you know, the, the parts you guys played were fantastic. And Nicholas, I was going to ask you, a bit about that. How challenging was it really to, to actually write this into a script? Because you, you're writing it but as the director, you're telling it as well. So you, you know everything that this story has to offer and yet you've got to drip feed the audience to keep wrong footing us with regards to, you know, who, who's kind of the guilty party. Was that difficult to pull off? Like, did that take a long time to get that right? Um, I would say balancing the tone is definitely one of the hardest things kind of on set to perfect. But I think from the beginning, I had a strong sense of like, it should be funny, awkward, cringeworthy, scary, and try to constantly have all those elements kind of in each scene. Um, and then on set, it was really just working with Charles and Quinn and uh, finding the right tone that worked for everyone. And we also... We do certain scenes at like certain different levels of dramatic, comedic, and then like totally bonkers. Right. And then it kind of allowed us in the edit to then kind of figure out exactly what level we wanted to go. Um, especially since Charles goes pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, there were some times like very early on in the shoot when so some of the crew hadn't read the script. And so. <laughs> On like the first day when Nick was like, okay, go totally bonkers. And I was going totally crazy. 
I could tell the crew was like, what is this movie? (laughs) (laughs) They actually looked like kind of scared. Like some of them were kind of like, what have I signed up for for the next two and a half weeks? Did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? And uh, they did. Because, Because I killed them all. Oh well, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no, no, I mean... it's unfortunately that's recorded though. That's a there's a problem with that. Uh, legally speaking, I'm have to cut that one, Dave. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll protect your anonymity. Um... Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> one more thing on the relationship thing that I I actually don't think I've ever even spoke to that Nick did so well as a director was you let us live out the scene, and that not all directors let you do that, and you gave us really the time to find it in the space, which I thought was, and you let us rehearse before, but you gave us takes of actually doing scenes from A to Z. And I think that's always so helpful. Yeah, I love, I always love playing out the whole scene and not trying to split it up too much. Um, I also have a minimalist style in a way, so it works out. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was very cool. I guess one of the interesting things for me, and, and perhaps you kind of covered this, the kind of ambiguity around Nolan and how that offsets, you know, Sam and Ashley. What was really interesting about the movie, which I've got to say, it doesn't really normally happen, was I found that at different times throughout the film, I'm, I'm on the side of each of the characters that's there. And yet also at different times, I'm, I'm against each of the characters that's there, which I think is incredibly hard to pull off. And I think part of that probably almost pivots on Nolan's character. Do you think that would be fair to say? And Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, John was really great at playing the, like, charming, He's maybe he's a little dumb, or maybe he's actually secretly right. just sabotaging everything. Uh, it's definitely based wonder, on, like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why he was so good at playing dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Charlie, let's go. Right, he's not here. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, wait, well, hang on. on, big surprise. Just wait a minute. Who's on the call? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick, I did interrupt you. Uh, I kind of forgot where I was going there. Sorry. Oh, no, you probably have like a really cool answer too. Well, I mean, if it helps, I was asking about how the character of Nolan almost triggers the, the way that we, the audience changes their perception of the other characters and whether or not that was kind of how you'd meant it to play out, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because uh, Sam and Charles, like Charles's character, is constantly kind of an unreliable narrator through it. So, like, in a way, when you're seeing Nolan be threatening, or it seems like he's up to something else, um, it was always supposed to be like, yes, yeah, Sam kind of. I through his lens, like that. Yeah, yeah that, his that, lens. It, it that took me quite a while to pick that up, to be honest. And when it got towards the climax of the film, and it all started to make a bit more sense. It was quite a relief for me to see that, you know, because it's such an unsettling thing all the way through the kind of, you know, that narrative changing everything. These things start to crystallize, I guess, a bit towards the end. I think it was quite, it was quite relaxing to see, you know, okay, a lot of the stuff we've seen is obviously just one person's perspective. And yeah. Yeah. So that's why, especially in the, the when Sam kills Nolan at the end, I really wanted that big scene where you actually like, no one actually says what his whole intentions have been throughout the whole movie. And you actually understand that he was just trying to reconcile their friendship. Yeah. No, that was a great, that was a great scene. It made that punch happen when you're like, oh shit. You know, it really it's is. That way it's, right. it's, it's, it's when it coalesces. So did I, did I hear right? Did you guys say that this, this was like a two week shoot? Yeah, it was a very fast two week shoot. I worked, especially with the, I worked with a bunch of the crew before, um, especially the DP Kyle Kelly. So we are good at kind of, we kind of know 
each other what and we know what shots we're going to do so we're able to move super fast um also the budget was pretty small so we kind of were forced to go fast but i think it worked out oh yeah absolutely and what about you guys charles and uh, quinn did you, did you guys have a good time on set did you find it kind of a pressurized two weeks or i mean there's a lot riding on both of you i guess right <laughs> I feel that there was a lot of pressure. I feel like Charles and I equated to kind of being at summer camp for two weeks. It it was really fun. We had movie nights where we watched some of the films that inspired Nick, to in, at least in terms of tone. We watched The Shining. I think we watched Shaun of the Dead. We watched Friday the 13th, like every night. And then Charles and I lived in a little house together, so we got to play house. Nice. We got in a fight. Yeah. And yes, we did get a tough. <laughs> How good is his cooking compared to Sam's cooking? Was it? Um, no, we didn't cook. It... <laughs> I, I, one time I made her a piece of toast with peanut butter and she smushed it in my face. <laughs> she said, I don't eat, anyone on it. She said, I don't eat carbs. <laughs> then she smushed it in my face and called me a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, can I say that? On here? Yeah, you can, you can say literally so. anything you want. Yeah. Okay. There's loads of other stuff you can say as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with Quinn. It was really fun. And also, um, we actually didn't ever really go over 10-hour days either. I think probably because there wasn't the budget to pay overtime. But uh, <laughs> but we, it was really easy and it was really fun. Was it, the, it was great. How was the kind of climactic scene? I mean, that was an amazing one-liner for Quinn. The that's nice, and then the stab was that was that yeah. fun to, to to stab Charles in the neck? Yes. So I, I'll tell that story. So we had some special effects guys up there for I feel like it was forty eight hours. Nick, is that right? Or twenty? They're up there for yeah. They're up there for like two to two or for three days. Two or three days, and I guess we had like enough blood in the spray can for two times. So they were like, "We're before you do the first one, we're just gonna like it's gonna be a sprinkle." Um, it wasn't what you saw in the movie was the first take <laughs> and you know just out of sheer shock and pause I feel like I held that moment like it was the last moment that I was ever going to have in a cinematic movie I don't know but that was super fun those moments were fun I find being chased and like fighting to be as stressful as chasing and fighting would be in real life um, Got <laughs> easy to get into the moment then. That. <laughs> but but fun to do in retrospect. I mean, Charles chasing me to that car. I hated that every time we did it because he would always, almost, if not, catch me. And yeah, was that fun was, for you, Charles, to to be able to go the, kind of crazy? Yeah, that was fun for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it, the the scenes where I got to go crazy were really fun, um, and I really look forward to them. The scenes where I got killed and there was blood were really fun to shoot, but the scenes where I had to do real acting. <laughs> Um, were horrifying and I hated them. And when <laughs> once they were like cut on any scene where I had to do like real acting, I was like, thank God. Um, because like, you know, John is a re- John and Quinn are real, are very, very good actors. And I'm, I'm an actor and I'm good. I'm a comedian. I don't, I'm not as good at actors as them. So that's interesting that so much of that character seemed right in, in your kind of wheelhouse as to how you appear on stage, what I've, you know, what I've seen online. So, Nick, was that written with Charles in mind? Because it seemed to be just fit quite perfectly with your delivery, Charles. Yeah, um, we kind of have a similar sense of humor, so it kind of it really worked out. I wrote it like to basically my sense of humor, but when I was thinking about who could play the part, it, Charles was the first person that came to mind. And, yeah. Cool. Well, I had this web series. <laughs> no, that's good. I've never heard that before, so thank you. Uh, 
where I had like a web series where it was very cringy. I would say the comedy was like a little cringe, but you kind of felt for the main character because he was just kind of like this guy who sits in a coffee shop and he tries to like make friends with people. And each episode was him like failing to either make friends or ask someone out on a day or like order a croissant. And it, I do think now that like it does kind of align with Sam's character in a really kind of like interesting way. I was a big fan of Charles, by the way. So Yes, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we're all big fans, just to make sure that that's clear. See, now that felt sarcastic, but I... <laughs> no, that's, that's, just my, that's just my British accent. Um, it's okay, yeah. it's sort of imbued with a sort of dry, droll cynicism. So, um, can, I ask, can I ask you, you guys a question? Yeah. No. No, no. <laughs> okay. No, um, it seems like British people have been responding to this film the best. Oh, yeah. Why do you think that is? It's that awkward cringiness. That's perfect. Right. It's like the UK office (laughs) stuff. That's what I would think. That that chimes. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think there's a neurosis around the British sense of humour that I think probably chimes quite closely with the the sort of humour that's in in this movie. Most of our conversations are somewhere like Sam's conversations. That's pretty much the whole country. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, like, it depends what people want out of a horror film, you know. I think sometimes you find people want some sort of gore fest or whatever, some of which are absolutely fantastic. But nonetheless, some people think of horror kind of as that, rather than a nice broad spectrum of stuff. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the non-horror guy, and I, re- you know, I, I enjoyed it and felt completely wrong-footed the whole way. Um, yeah, it definitely has a wider appeal than just uh, people waiting for the knives. Right. Yeah, and the British office, when I saw the British office for the first time, I was like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I had like no idea. My, I actually had a roommate in college who was a, who was an exchange student from England. And he was like, you know, you would probably really like this show. And then he showed me the British office. And I was like, I had never, I had no idea that comedy could be like that. And I was like, it was a huge inspiration for me and my sense of humor actually so it's funny that you mentioned that that cringe to the nth degree that you know right right to the end of uh of what you can keep watching <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah there's a there's a very grounded real kind of acerbic element to it and yeah perhaps again that's that's sort of more part of the british sense of humor but who knows i mean we're a bunch of dicks really so you know don't trust <laughs> don't trust our opinions on anything you know, oh, well, we're over here in America. We're not. We're the best. So we have no problems here. Hey, we're, we have no no one here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry. Can Josh. I ask? I really wanted just to know. I'm an idiot, so I'm just interested in sort of how much of the stuff in those sort of scenes between Nolan and Sam was all in Sam's head, Nick, and how much of it was Nolan still a bit of a dick? Um, he's definitely a bit of a dick. <laughs> I kind of. It seems mean to say, but like I, do, I have like a couple of friends from home who like sometimes mean well, but drive me a little crazy with their constant necessitiveness. Uh, so I was a little bit basing, like I took that kind of character and tried to push it as far as possible um, and as annoying as possible. There are the moments where like he winks at Sam. Obviously, the moments when they're having sex in front of the Christmas tree. So there's like a few of those moments that are like very extreme, like Sam jealousy daydream and what he's picturing kind of what's the worst case scenario. 
Yeah, so that's that, that was that was interesting. There's that sort of blend between what's clearly in his head, but then it was just interesting to see that obviously I took a lot of that from face value initially, but then when you reflect on the film from you know after watching it, you think actually how much of that was just through that lens and was just from one person's point of view. I'm a big fan of unreliable narrators, and I think when me and Charles really discussed a lot of it, I tried to I tried to take away the fact that he is a psycho killer and try to make him approach, I don't know, Charles, we're going to talk about how, I was like, don't think of it as you're about to kill this person, but you're going to break up with them. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were notes that Nick would give me before we'd shoot scenes. He'd be like, you're not about to murder Ashley, you're just going to like let her down really gently. <laughs> and I would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you're going to like break up with her, but you feel bad that you have to break up with her, so you'll probably figure her out that it you know, you have to, like, do it in a really extreme way. I don't know if you got that, Quinn. Yeah, I picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, this is your... Uh, obviously, you've done a lot of shorts and, and stuff. Well, a lot of stuff, actually, <laughs> prior to this. But this is your first full-length feature. Was it difficult to get that funded? Did you have connections, or how did you how did you pay for it? Um, so, originally, I had written the scripts under the idea that if I could get funding, I could shoot a bigger version of it. Or if I, if the funding fell out, then I could shoot a smaller version of it. And the funding ended up, I had a company that I was interested in and the funding eventually fell through. And then I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to shoot it anyways. Um, and then just through private uh, sources, I was able to kind of cobble together a micro budget, just nice. enough to shoot for two weeks. Nice. Didn't feel like it was missing anything. None of the, none of the scenes felt like they were kind of paired back at all. So it's interesting. Like, what would you have done? Was it just more blood, bigger <laughs> knives? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe some bigger set pieces. Uh, maybe one or two other scenes. I don't know. It. I agree though. Now when I watch it, it feels like there's nothing I could actually add to it. So more famous lead actor. <laughs> <laughs> Never. You guys stay, and then you get the more famous supporting actors in. You know, cameo roles. You know, in the camp. You just get Matt Damon walking past in the background. Yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be remiss not to ask you guys what's coming next. Obviously, this has been, I guess, a while then from shoot to now. Uh, has there been much going on in the interim? What can we expect from each of you next? Where are we going? Hopefully, you'll all say more horror. Um, you don't well, I have gotta... to. <laughs> uh, I got a comedy feature I'm trying to push, as well as a straight horror feature as well. So I'm right. hoping to get one of those off the ground in early 2021, but we'll see. COVID pending. You'll have to film it all over yeah, Zoom, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, Quinn, you guys got, I mean, obviously it uh, sucks for yeah, anyone I'm in the performing I'm in school. arts. <laughs> I'm getting my graduate degree, so graduating in 2023. I filmed I filmed a movie in uh, at the very beginning of 2020 in January, so we'll see. We were supposed to do pickups in March. Obviously, that didn't happen. So let's see. Uh, that is in the can for now, but cool. it will be brought out soon enough. And we'll look out for it's that. It's a good time to be in stand-up, Charles, isn't it? So that you know, it must be well, stand-up, stand-up, stand-up for you. Stand-up's over. I'll never do stand-up again. Um, <laughs> that's my prediction. Um, I'm Right now, I'm really working on a vaccine for coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a picture of my bathtub. No, I have a, <laughs> I have a digital series with Comedy Central, which I'm hoping to shoot either in December or early 2021. And um, I, I write. I was supposed to shoot a movie in April with Billy Eichner, uh, but obviously that got pushed 
and till April 2021, they told me. So I'm hoping that that, that movie comes through Billy Eichner wrote and is starring in this in a rom-com. And I was going to play like one of his friends. So fingers cool. crossed on that one. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds great. And look, fingers crossed, I hear tell on the grapevine that they they might actually have a vaccine by around Christmas. So you never know, maybe the performing arts will actually come back in 2021 and they won't be completely decimated. But look, I just wanted to say thank you so much for jumping on the call with us and for, you know, for joining us on the podcast. Genuinely love the movie and I and you know, I wish you all the best with it. We we use a lot of subliminal messaging, so we, you know we'll we'll really go heavy on that. Um, That's already out there, yeah. 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 <laughs> As I say, guys, congrats and thanks again for for sharing your time with us. Yeah, great film. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you both. Hey, stay no worries. Safe. Yeah, stay safe. Don't die of oh, COVID, yeah. everybody. Yeah, good luck with the yes. <laughs> the or or like, try not to die. Okay. <laughs> right. See, anyway, you see you guys. Thanks see you again. Well, fellas, that was the interview. Darren, Bruce, want to say anything? No, mate. Yeah, no, mate, I'm all right, actually. Uh, IPL's on. Yeah, what's that? What's it? <laughs> IPL. I'm, I'm not understanding that at all. It's cricket, mate. Well, all oh, right, how's that, was it? No. How's it? No. Indian Premier League. Indian Premier League. Cricket. Right. Cricket, yeah. All right. Okay, look, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, all right, lads. I don't, I don't know what the fuck that's about. Over to you, John, Dave, get sorted. Sort this out. Fucking hell. I tell you what, mate. Wow. They, need, they need to stop letting that booth open. I think we yeah, just need to go back look, to I think Tony's had one a person mare booth. this week. He's let two folk in, which he's not done before, in fairness. Yep. Tony's trying to manage a two-guest booth, and, you know, he's got all of the sound to do. I mean, I don't even know what our levels are like, Dave. I mean, this could be absolute chaos. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's editing the live uh, video feed, which obviously goes out to all the oil rigs. We're on live on all the rigs. Rig cast. Rigs TV. Yeah, rigs TV yeah. casts. We, um, look, it won't mean much to you guys, but obviously the rig edit, all the riggers listening will know. Shout out to the riggers. Wee! <laughs> They'll know what it means. But look, anyway, enough about Tony and that, that fucking mess. Um, thanks again to Nicholas Payne Santos, Charles Gould, and Quinn Jackson for giving us their yeah, time. I appreciate the time. That was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, and also a really, a really great movie. So do give that uh, a look. Go and have a look. Yeah, well worth your time. If whether you're a horror or a non-horror person, you'll get a lot out of it. It's it's a tight piece of. It's got the old double stamp, mate. It's got the horror non-horror double That's stamp. True. Of That's true. It's got the it's got the H N H double double stamp. The hen. No. No. It's the much coveted no. <laughs> That's going to be a thing now. So yeah, It Cuts Deep has got the official Le Mans pod. No. And um, so that's... I think we're going to come up with that something. on the poster. Put that that's on the just poster. a working title. <laughs> that double stamp. I'm like, we'll come up with something better. I'd rather call it the double stamp. Yeah, fair enough. It's the first time we've ever introduced just a sound as a sort of recommendation. <laughs> Rather than any kind of words. Quite an awkward sounding sound. It's good though. No one else has got that. No one else has got that. Sets us apart, John. Incoherent sounds. Yeah. Wow, I'll give you that. Um, Thanks very much, John, for joining us, as always. Cheers, mate. Well, I'm sure OJ will be back next week, mate, once he's got his chain uh, forged. That'll be all good. Yeah, once he's learned to sew. Thanks again to Nicholas Payne Santos, Charles Gould, and Quinn Jackson, the director, writer, and cast of It Cuts Deep. Check that out now on Video On Demand. Give it a watch. Absolutely rent it, buy it, whatever. It's great.
um, yeah, as I say, next month we'll be back with another pitch and or more. So we'll see you then. So stay safe, Cheers. stay alive, those of you that are worth it, and um, don't get COVID. Let's make a horror movie, John. Everyone, you can't Nothing. wave. He's waving, folks. Waving's no use. I don't like saying bye. Okay, I don't uh, like goodbyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You say goodbye. You all do right, the bit, right. and I'll just move away from the microphone. Let's make a horror movie, everybody. Sure. Uh.